Tonight we will be doing week two of Women of God, and if you're listening on our podcast, we want to welcome you. Thank you for joining us, and we pray that you are blessed. All right, week two, we are going to be speaking about our home life. The scripture has a lot to say about our home, and in a room like this, I can look around and I can see women who are single, I can see women who are married. I see women who are widowed, I see women who have been through a crushing divorce. I see women who have experienced um, loss of a spouse. There are women who have children, there are women who have grandchildren, there are women who have great, great grandchildren. And so we see this broad range of women in this room. But the Bible speaks to all women. And I think that when the scripture is talking to a woman who has a husband, there's something that we can all glean from that. And even if I'm talking tonight in pieces where you say, well, this part doesn't apply to me, or this part doesn't apply to me. I want you to try to gain the biblical truth from everything that we talk about. Even if you think, well, that's not where I'm at in life right now. Maybe you say, I don't have any kids, okay? Been there, done that, or you know, don't plan to have any. Whatever your story is, we can all glean from God's word when it's teaching us how to be a godly woman. And one reason I want you to just listen in on the conversation, don't shut me out, don't tune me out at any part and say, well, that's not for me. Because we learned last week that the older women are to instruct the younger women. So even if you feel like my season of child rearing has passed, you still have something to offer the kingdom of God. And you need to help instruct and guide the younger women. That's biblical. And so all of us, no matter what our story is, all of us can come in this room tonight. And even if it doesn't apply necessarily to your current situation, maybe you don't have a husband in this moment, but maybe you're praying for one, and maybe God is going to send you one. And you want to be ready and prepared to be a godly wife for the man that God would send to you. So whatever the situation is, I just encourage you to be ready to receive God's word. Be ready to apply it to your life or maybe to give counsel or advice to a friend. Whatever it is, we can all walk away from this conversation knowing what it truly means to be a woman of God in our home, in our family, in our situations that we find ourselves in, okay? So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would just bring your presence and that it would bring clarity to our minds. I pray that you would teach us your word, that you would help us, God, to receive it, that you would give us ears of understanding and hearts to receive everything that you have for us tonight, God. Your word is truly not silent about women 
and what our roles are in our homes and in your kingdom. You have a place for every woman in this room. And I pray tonight, God, that you would teach us and instruct us in your word and your ways and help us, God, to find ourselves coming in alignment with your word tonight, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first point that we're going to talk about tonight is a word that nobody likes to hear, and it is all throughout Scripture. And women tend to get really bent out of shape when they hear this word, but this seems to be a theme that we're hearing a lot in the church right now. And the Lord has given me a message. Pastor has asked me to speak on Sunday, and he's given me a message, and it goes with this theme. Brother Donald danced all over it this past Sunday. Um, Pastor pretty much just preached the whole message last night at prayer, Tuesday night prayer. So the word that we don't like is submission. It's not a popular word. It's not a popular concept. But oh, is it biblical. Oh, it is so biblical. And we can truly not be a woman of God if we are not living a submitted life. And if we're not falling in the line of submission that the Lord outlines in his word. Okay, so the truly godly woman understands that God has instituted an order. And he has an order that goes like this. Christ is the head of his church. What's going on up there? No. I don't know. All right. Well, I was going to say, do you know how to stop it? Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right, so the truly godly woman understands that God has instituted an order. And we should find ourselves in that order, not because he doesn't like women, and not because, you know, he puts us underneath, because that is not at all what we find when we look at Scripture and we look at Jesus and his, his ministry. But there is a protection and a covering when we live a submissive life in the order that God has designed. So, yo, what is happening? <laughs> Spider. Okay. Thank you. Okay, in Jesus' name, <laughs> no spiders, no videos, no more distractions. All right. So the order is Christ is the head of the church, all right? And there is leadership over the church, and that is biblical. The Bible says to submit to the authority, to obey your leaders, right? And done in a way that, you know, they can serve in their ministry with joy. Um, and the Bible talks about how the man is the head over the woman, and the woman and the man are the head over the children. Children, obey your parents, right? So we have this order of submission, and this is completely biblical. 
It does not need to make us uncomfortable. It does not need to um, be a word that we use, oh, submission, and then all of a sudden we get nervous and we start squirming. Because we know that when we honor God and we find ourselves submitted to the authority that is over us, whether that is a husband, whether that is church leadership, our pastor, whether that is God as our authority, ultimate authority, when we find ourselves in that line of authority, we will find the blessings of God in submission. We will find a covering. Come back Sunday morning at 11 o'clock and hear more about this. <laughs> but I want to say this. I believe that the women in this room, some of you lead your home and lead your family because you have no choice because of the life that this is life this is this is what's been dealt to me this is my life i have to lead my home and my family i'm single i'm alone i'm raising children whatever that story might be but you have to lead so let me speak just a moment first of all to you you are strong and you are capable. You have a support system in the church. You have a support system in your church leadership. That is your covering and your, the authority that helps to lead your life. And you have the authority of Christ over you. And with him, you can do all things. And that is biblical. But for those who find themselves married... You know, if you are a woman of God, a woman of God knows that you can, you can, can successfully lead your family. It's not that we're incapable. It's not that we're dumb and we're ignorant and we can't run a household. That is not at all what the scripture teaches us. Okay? And Jesus did not treat women that way. He gave women a place. He gave them a voice in a culture and a society where they didn't have one. So it's not that we can't do it, but I don't know about you, but if ever we step out of that designed role and we try to usurp authority that is over us, we don't find satisfaction that we thought we would find. It's not always a great feeling. And so we realize that we have to fall in alignment with the authority that God has placed over us. Biblical authority. From head down, it moves downward. A woman of God realizes that it is far better that the job be done poorly by her husband than to be done well by her and for him to receive her criticisms. Think about that. If it comes to leading your home and your family, and you think, well, I can do it better, so I'm just gonna take over, then you're not doing your husband a service because you're not allowing him to be the man of God and the leader in the home that God has called him to be. And you're not going to be happy. You're not going to find satisfaction. And your husband's not going to be happy. And he's not going to have satisfaction. 
I was let in on a little secret from our men's class last week, and they were talking about authority, and they were talking about the biblical line. And they, the question was asked, raise your hand if you feel that you truly don't operate in the authority in your home that God has given to you. And almost everybody raised their hand. So ladies, how can we help our men? We're going to talk about that tonight. We can help them to step into that role because we realize that even if we think we could do it better, if we let them, just let them, all right? It's better that they do it poorly, but we're in the will of God than for us to take it over and not yield to him and not live in harmony and not live according to God's plan. Genesis 3.16, when I get to heaven, I'm going to look for Eve. And I'm just going to be like, really? Because in Genesis 3.16, this is what the Lord told Eve. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And we don't like that. We don't like that word, but that is biblical. 1 Corinthians 11.3, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Ephesians 5, 22 and 24, 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your husbands. There's that word. As you do to the Lord. So we don't always submit to him. Okay? Sometimes we submit to him in our submission to the Lord. Right? Let me tell you another little secret you're going to hear on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. You're not always going to agree with him. You're not always going to agree with the leadership in your life. If you're a single woman and you are submitting to the authority of the church and, and the man of God, you're not going to always agree. You're not, your husband too. You're not going to always agree with the spiritual authority in your life. So guess what? The Bible tells us when, when it is good and it is pleasant, right, for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity is when we agree. Unity is agreement, right? Submission has nothing to do with agreement. Submission is when you disagree. Submission is when you say, Ugh, I don't agree with that, but I'm going to submit to it. So we're not always going to agree with those that God has placed in biblical authority over us as women of God. But that is when our submission is challenged. When we disagree, when we don't like it, we have a choice. We can submit or we can rebel. If we choose the rebellion, we bring ourselves out from under the covering in God's design. Amen? All right, the godly woman acknowledges that she was created for her husband and that he was not created for her. 
We were created to be the helpmeet. We were created to serve, assist, help. And there is nothing weak about that. It takes a strong woman to come alongside a man and help and assist and serve. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. 1 Corinthians 7.34, There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So when you're married, it is your desire. That's 1 Corinthians 7.34. It's your desire to serve your husband, to care for him. And when you're unmarried, you don't have that, that care. You don't have that concern necessarily. 1 Corinthians 11.9. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman was created for the man. So how can we make our men feel that we are submitting? How can we submit? Well, first of all, we submit when we disagree. We're given an opportunity. Secondly, the answer to all of this is in Ephesians 5.33. This is one of the most profound scriptures and I go to this so, so often when I'm talking with married couples. The answer for us in this room tonight is respect. Respect means to honor, to be in awe. It means to have an esteem towards someone. Okay, and obedience is doing what you know you should do. Submission is giving our will over to someone else's will. Okay, so these, these are all words that we hear and we shy away from them because we just don't like them. But when the Bible tells us to obey, it doesn't mean that we're little children and we're just these dumb, ignorant women that needs a man to run our lives. Okay, but it's simply a way that we can do what he wants us to do. We can serve him. We can be that helpmeet. We can come alongside him and help to make his life easier and better. I know we're not liking this, but hold on, I'm getting somewhere. Submission is when we don't agree and we say, oh no, I don't agree with that. But instead of throwing a fit and saying, well, you're wrong and I'm not doing it your way, we'll say, okay, I disagree, but I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to submit to you as the head of this household. So in Ephesians 5.33, there's these two key words that we're going to pull out for a minute here. It says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So in this scripture, we are not told to love our husbands, right? It does not say that wives should love their husbands. It does not say that. You know why? 
because we naturally do. We're women. We love. We're emotional. And a man's greatest need is not love. But a man's greatest need is to be respected. So that is why our command says, let the wife see that she respects her husband. You can love on a man all day, and you can hug on him and be all mushy-gushy, and that's great. But I'm telling you what, if you respect that man, you're going to see his head get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So if we want to build up our husbands, we show respect. Now, I hope that downstairs, and I'm sure they are, they're teaching them to love us. Because our greatest need is not respect. Our greatest need is we just want to feel loved. We just want love. And God, isn't God cool? Because he designed this. He designed us. He knows what makes us tick. And he puts this in the scripture there to tell us this is what men need. This is what women need. If you want more on this topic and you like reading books, I recommend Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egerichs. He was one of my um, college professors. He's a Christian psychologist, and he wrote a book on this whole topic, and it will transform marriages. So we can respect our husbands by listening to him, by valuing his decisions, by taking his advice, by not blowing off everything that he says or demeaning everything that comes out of his mouth. We can be careful that we're not just working on everything independently of him. We need to speak and communicate with him. And we need to know that, we need to let him know that we're thankful for him. Do you know what means so much to, the, to a man is when you thank him for doing something? Men are doers. We can thank him for being a hard worker, for being a provider, for doing something for us around the home. We can thank them for hauling this couch out for us tonight when I didn't really want to have to try to carry it. So a Christ-minded woman seeks in ways to respect and honor her husband because that's what the scripture tells us to do. We can respect him by complimenting him, appreciating him, praising him in return for his love and his care for us. He protects, he cherishes, he nourishes, and we can be thankful for those attributes. And I know Ephesians 5.23, it's a command. This is what we're told to do, right? Takes it one step further. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29 says this, Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So ladies, don't think for a minute that we got the short end of the stick, the stick because we have to respect and submit and give honor no, they have a pretty high calling because they were told to love us and cherish us just as the Lord does his church. That's a lot of love. He gave his life for it. He loves his bride. 
And that's the command that they are expected to live to. So I don't believe that we got the short end of the stick. So sometimes we can get on this crazy cycle, is what I call it, where I don't feel loved and you don't feel respected. And anybody ever feel like you've been on that cycle and it's like, oh, what's going on? And I understand that there are situations where our husbands may really not deserve a whole lot of respect. But I have seen this transform relationships. If someone is willing to jump off of that crazy train, jump off of the cycle and say, okay, I may not feel very loved right now, but I am going to respect him. Guess what? It's a cycle. It's a circular cycle. And when you all of a sudden start showing respect to a man, he all of a sudden starts showing you love. And you're like, oh, wow, look how that works. So sometimes we have to swallow our pride and we have to be the first one to jump off the cycle, jump off the train and start showing respect, even when it might not be undeserved. But I don't know about you. The Lord has given me love and grace when I didn't deserve it. So how can we withhold those good things from our husbands? We cannot command our husband to love us. We cannot go home tonight and say, Sister B said you have to love me. Okay? The Bible says that you have to cherish me just like Jesus loves his church. Okay? So we can't command it of them. But when we begin respecting, we inspire our husbands to love us. We can't command it. We can't demand it of them. But we can inspire them. If we become someone that's lovable. If we become someone that shows respect and appreciation. All right. So it's so important for us to fall into that biblical alignment in our homes. And I realize that there are difficult circumstances. I realize that there are people in this room that might be listening under the sound of my voice on the podcast that you're thinking, my husband is a jerk. My home life is terrible. My marriage is in shambles. I would say we still have to honor the Lord. We still have to obey his word. We still have to give respect and reverence because Titus 2 and 5 says we're to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to our husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Okay, that's a high calling. Okay, if we call ourselves a woman of God, if we're following Christ, I don't want to blaspheme his word. I don't want to give his word a bad reputation, a bad name. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word. Ugh, you thought you were off the hook. Here it is. You say, well, I have a husband. He's not living for God. He's not submitted to God. He's not submitted to the pastor. He's not submitted to the authority that's placed over us in our lives. 
Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection or submission to your husband, that if any obey not the word, that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. You can win him. You can win him by respecting him when it's undeserved. 1 Peter 3 and 6, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. So difficult circumstances exist. I know that. But the word of God is clear. We have a job to do. And we have a biblical line of submission that we must align ourselves with. And if you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, that's great, but I don't have a husband, get under the spiritual covering. Get under the man of God and the people of God and get yourself under a spiritual covering and submit. Even when you don't like it, submit. Because the blessings and the covering are found in submission. And submission does not feel good. That's why we don't like to talk about it. We like to talk about unity, right? Because unity is agreement, and that's a good feeling. Submission is not a good feeling, but it's commanded of us. All right. The godly woman, I think a lot of us in this room tonight and those listening on our podcast can relate to having children or grandchildren or multiple great-greats. We can relate to being a, a godly woman in children's lives, whether that be through adoption, through foster care. Um, we have ladies in this room who are um, helping to raise family members, who, are, who do in-home child care. So all of us, in some way, have an influence in a child's life, whatever that might be and whatever that looks like. And God has given a great responsibility to women, to mothers, and grandmothers are not off the hook because the Bible tells us the older should teach the younger. You never stop. You never stop training and teaching. That's God's way. All of us have an influence on children. And the godly woman loves her children by training them how to love God and the importance of obeying his commandments. If you are a mom, you are the first example and spiritual influence for them to follow. They're watching your daily life. They don't hear all the words that you say, but they see everything you do. And they're taking that in. They're watching your example. They're seeing how you react to situations. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, And when thou risest up, if you've got children in your home, I don't care if they're one or teenagers or wherever they're at, 
You have a responsibility daily to talk to them, to sit in your house, to talk about the Lord when you're walking by the way, to talk about it at bedtime when you lay him down, to talk about it when you get up in the morning, to talk about the goodness of God and to his commandments. We have a responsibility. And I'll take that a step further. If you're not a mom, but you have an influence in children's lives whatsoever, God has given you a responsibility. As grandma, as great-grandma, great-great-grandma, as aunts, you have a responsibility also to teach the children that are in your lives, to love them, to example Christ unto them. Ephesians 6 and 2 says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Titus 2, 4, and 5 says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. That is the reference I was speaking of to the older women. Your time is not done. We need your voice. There are young women that need your voice. They need you to tell us, I've been there. I know how hard it is. This is how you love your husband. This is how you love those children. We need generational teaching, and that is biblical. And if you find yourself in between, I'm not talking to you, I'm not saying you have to be in the joy group to, to, for this to apply, but I, these days, keep finding myself in the middle of the sandwich, and that's weird to me because I thought I was so young. But we have a responsibility. There's someone younger than you. Everybody in this room say, there's someone younger than me. There's a young girl that's looking up to you and wants to know how to be a woman of God. Even if you don't have a daughter, there is a young girl looking up to you. And there are children that look to you as a woman of God. And you need to be ready to be an example to them, to teach them, to talk to them about the goodness of God. You have stories to tell. You have the stories of what God's done in your life. You have a testimony. You can share it with someone younger than you. So we have training to do. We have to set an example. We have to teach children how to respect and honor their father and their mother. If you're not their mom, hey, if you hear your grandkid or your niece or nephew and they're disrespecting their mom, you can defend her. And you can help to teach the children, hey, you know what? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to honor your father and mother. Grandmas can teach that. Aunts. So we have, we have a job to do. And, you know, there's an old saying, and it's not in the Bible, but it says that it takes a village to raise a child. And I like that because it is so very true. Because as a mom, I know I can't be with them 24-7. I can't be with them when they're downstairs in class. But there's another voice teaching them and instructing them. They're not hearing it all from just mom. But it does truly take women of God to come alongside one another. 
and to teach and train our children. A woman of God loves her children by investing her time and instructing them and guiding them on how to do things, how to perform life skills and tasks. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. We usually always apply that scripture just to spiritual matters. But honestly, it's in the Proverbs, and the Proverbs are very practical. So I believe that that applies to practical matters. Train them up. Show them how to do things. Sometimes our children can be so frustrated and flustered because we've told them to go clean their room, and then we yell and we scream because they didn't clean their room. But guess what? Nobody ever showed them how. Right? We just assume that they know how to clean like we know how to clean. And we have to teach them, let me show you how to do the dishes. Let me show you my expectation of how the dishes are done. <laughs> right? And we show them and we train them. So we're training up children. And I'm just going to say it, like this is not just for moms, although I'm speaking to the mothers, because we have a great responsibility. But grandmas, aunts, grandmas of the church, we need you to train the children too. Somebody needs to learn how to make rolls. Somebody needs to pass on to the younger generation the skills that we have and the, the, the things that we can do for the kingdom. Somebody needs to demonstrate that to the next generation. So you have a role to play. The woman of God loves her children by having the courage to correct, reprove, and teach them respect. Because this is biblical. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth or discipline him. Proverbs 29 and 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. So have you ever seen one of those kids that just has no discipline, no structure, there is no rod extended, even in love, there is nothing, they are just left to himself, and you think, oh my goodness, that kid right? It is biblical that we train them, that we reprove them, that we teach them. And it doesn't matter how old they are. We start that process when they're tiny and we don't finish. We can still encourage and you can't control your adult children. I realize that, but you can still encourage them and give them wisdom right? You still have something to pass on to them, no matter how old they are. We still have a responsibility. And again, we need the women of the church to come together and help one another to teach them, to teach them skills, to teach them manners, to teach them respect, to teach them to honor the house of God, to teach them faithfulness to his house, to example those things to our children. All right, last week we kind of touched on the scripture in Titus 2 that speaks about being a keeper at home. And I want to touch on that again tonight and kind of take it just a step deeper. But 
Proverbs 14 and 1 says, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucks it down with her hands. And we think, why would this woman go in and start plucking away at her house with her hands? It is because she's foolish. She is tearing down her husband. She is critical, and she has a critical spirit, which women of God do not have critical spirits. Amen. Amen. She is critical of her children. She is tearing it down piece by piece. She's allowing things into her home that shouldn't be there when she's supposed to be the keeper of it. And so the Bible tells us that that's a foolish woman, Proverbs 14.1. Titus 2, 4, and 5 is where we touched on last week, that they may teach the young women to be sober which we established was to be wise and to have our right mind, to have our wits about us, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, and keepers at home. Again, when we come across that scripture, we automatically just get all flustered. Like, I'm the only one that has to do the dishes and all of that laundry, and I'm the only one that picks up the house and does the cleaning. And, and we, we think that that is what that scripture is talking about. Now, I will say that we know that all of those things are important, right? A godly woman is not idle. She is not lazy. She keeps her home. She's often busy. She's cleaning. She's organizing. She's decorating. She's cooking. She's making the house pleasant. She's making it smell nice. She's making it neat and inviting. She's creating an atmosphere. She's busy. Amen. Proverbs 31, 15, that Proverbs 31 lady that we just, she doesn't exist, right? But we have to try. We have to strive. And it says, she rises while it is yet night. It's still dark outside. And this woman is getting up. She gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She's got girls that she's teaching, that she's got in her home, that she's serving, that are serving her. Proverbs 31, 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. The very best she gathers for her household. The best that she can possibly give them. Proverbs 31, 27, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. So we're not supposed to be lazy in our homes. And whether your home is just your sanctuary and it's just you and the dog or you and the pictures on the wall, you are called to keep that home. Or maybe your house is super busy and full of young children and it's noisy and there's pitter-patter of little feet everywhere. You are called to keep that home. That is... The call of the woman of God. We're not to be idle. We are to keep the home because scripture tells us that. But I alluded to it last week and the verse there in Titus chapter 2 that says keepers at home. The word translates to a Greek word that literally means watchdog. So when it says to keep our home, that scripture is not necessarily talking about doing the dishes and folding laundry. That scripture is saying, you are the guard. You are the woman of God who stands guard over your home, making sure it is a safe haven 
for your family, for your household. Making sure that it is a sanctuary for your family to dwell in. Making sure that it is a place where your family is comfortable, where people are comfortable coming in and escaping the world around them. It's a place where you are to keep guard over the enemy and say, oh no, that's not coming through this house. That's not coming in this door. That's not of God, and you can just leave that out there in that world. That's us, keepers of our home, watchdogs, guardians. Yes, we're not supposed to be idle. I'm not giving you a pass on the dishes. I hate them too. But we still have to keep our homes, and we still have to clean and organize and decorate and cook and do all of the Proverbs 31 things that we can do and we can fit in a day's time. But in Titus chapter 2, it's telling us, you better guard that home. You better guard those babies. You better guard those grandchildren. You better make sure that, oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful what is put in front of them. Be careful what is on our televisions. Be careful what is on our devices. Be careful what they're listening to in their ears. We are the guardians of our home. And we better be careful that things aren't getting through mama or grandma or aunt, whoever you are. Um, the woman of God at home also offers hospitality in her home. She creates an environment that others can enjoy in times of visiting and fellowship. Romans 12 and 13 says, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. 1 Peter 4 and 9 says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. So, we need more of this in the church. The New Testament church did this. This was their design. They went house to house. They broke bread together. They would, would just fellowship. And as women of God, we need to make sure our home is not just a sanctuary that we run and hide from all the people, but it's also a place that we extend and we open to people. And I look around the room and I know many of you have invited me in your homes. And what, what a time. Sister Lynn, when we were just visiting here before we were elected, you make the best lasagna and you open your home and Sister Stephanie throws parties and they're amazing. And I look around and I see all of these people that have opened your home to me. And I want to thank you for that. But we need more of that. We need that with one another. We need to open our homes and our hearts because that is how the New Testament church did it. They weren't always locked up in a building together. More than likely, they weren't locked up in a building much at all because I don't even know if they had buildings. But they went house to house to house. They broke bread. They prayed together. Have people in your home prepare a meal. It doesn't have to be much. That's just her boys. It doesn't have to be much. And let me encourage you in this, okay? Because I know sometimes, I'm going to tell you, 
It's not what you see on Instagram. That's not real life. It's not what you see on people's highlight reels. Okay? And I don't care if you don't live in a mansion. I don't care if you live in a a humble home. It's the home that God has given you to be a blessing to others and to be a blessing in a sanctuary for your family. But don't forget to extend it and be given to hospitality without grudging, it says. Do it joyfully and give, you know, invite people over. It's that simple. The queen of hospitality, I don't know if y'all know her, but she's um, a widowed pastor's wife here in the Ohio district, Hilda, Hilda Trapani, and she teaches hospitality to, to ministers' wives. And she has taught so much. She said, I don't care if you feel like you have nothing to offer. Get that one little dessert and perfect it. Get that one little meal that you're good at and perfect it. And invite someone over. Invite someone over to come sit and pray together and eat a piece of coffee cake. And I'll confess, I've gotten really good at going to Kroger and buying their pumpkin spice cake and putting it on my white cake stand and making it look really pretty. And then being like, you want a piece of cake? You want a little slice? I didn't make it. But just opening ourselves, opening our homes, it doesn't have to be much. It costs 25 cents, maybe less, I didn't do the math, to pour someone a cup of coffee and sit down and have a conversation with them. I wanna see more of this. Invite people in our homes. Make your home not just a place for your family, but make it a place for a friend, a cup of coffee a prayer group, teach a Bible study, whatever it might be, invite someone over, a cookout. They don't even have to come inside. Invite them over for a cookout. We need more fellowship because it's biblical. We're supposed to be hospitable. We're supposed to open our homes like the New Testament church did. And a woman of God keeps her home. She guards it. She protects it. She makes it a safe place. She takes care of it. She's busy in her home, but she also offers hospitality to others. So invite someone over. That's your homework. That's your challenge. Invite someone over for a cup of coffee or a piece of toast. Listen, I have seen Sister Trapani can take like the most simple little thing and she takes like a piece of toast and some cream cheese and some jellies and jams and puts it on this little platter and it's like it's amazing with a cup of tea or coffee it doesn't have to be much you don't have to prepare we put way too much pressure on ourselves because we spend way too much time on instagram and facebook too many times with our faces in the the magazines and i love them too and looking at all the pretty homes and all of that but you know what if there is a friend that's in need They don't care about the mess on your floor and the crumbs on your table. They just want to sit at your table and they want you to just listen to them and they want you to love them and they want you to say, you're welcome here. Come and we'll we'll drink a cup of coffee and we'll pray together. That's all. We make it so hard. And if you know somebody, and I'm not even talking, it doesn't always have to be the ladies of this church, but if you know somebody that just needs that, 
Maybe their home is utter chaos. And they let them feel what it's like to step into a godly home. Let them feel what that's like and invite them in and just say, you know, just come over for lunch and sandwiches. It doesn't have to be hard. We overcomplicate it so much. And a lot of that is our culture. It is what we look at. It is what we put in and the expectations that we're placing on ourselves. So as we get ready to close tonight, our homes is one of the most important places that we have. God has given us a place to lay our head, a place that's our sanctuary. He's given us a place that we can rest. And so it is our job to make sure that when we are at home, we are being a woman of God. That we're being that wife, that mother, that we're being that aunt, friend, grandma, that we're being that, that spiritual mama. Any spiritual mamas in the house? Like they ain't your kid, but you've, you've raised them up? Yeah, absolutely. And that is an important role, very, very important role. And our homes, yes, it's our sanctuary, but we need to make sure that we're pleasing God and we're being women of God at home, that we're respecting our husbands, that we're loving our children, that we are teaching our children, raising our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that we are opening our homes, that we are, are protecting and guarding our homes. We have a great responsibility as women of God in our homes. Every single one of us. And as I said from the get-go, I look around the room and I see people in every stage of life. I see people that live alone, but you open your home up to those grandkids. I see people that are married, widowed, single, divorced, all kinds. But it doesn't matter where you find yourself. You are called to be a godly woman. And you're called to practice that even at home. And the Bible gives us such clear instruction on how we can do that. It's not always easy. And we don't like those big, ugly words. But when we understand them a little better, it's not so bad. It's not so hard. And the Lord helps us every day. Amen.